0: It's the North Shore Vineyard Church Audio Podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder. Today on the podcast, we're uh, taking a bit of a break from the Gospel of John. The title of today's message is, A Satisfied Soul. We'll be looking at a proverb from Proverbs chapter 27, and contrasting that with the world that we live in, learning how to live a satisfied life. Not much to say other than that, so let's go ahead and head over to 525 East Boston Street in downtown Covington, North Shore Vineyard Church. Thanks for listening.
1: How many times have you heard someone say If I had his money, I'd do it my way But little did they know that it's so hard to find man in town, with a satisfied mind, I once was ready, in a fortune train, Time, but I'm richer by far. Will the satisfied mind? And my time has run out My friends and my loved ones Will leave, there's no doubt But there's one thing for certain When it comes, my time Leave this old world.
2: will the sound.
1: Satisfied my
0: Well, that was a song that was written uh, many years ago by a guy named Joe Hayes and Jack Rhodes. And uh, basically, the the story goes that that um, Joe Hayes wrote it after compiling a bunch of sayings from his mom and, and his dad, and he just he just put it all in one song. And and uh, they're they're profound words today, and I think p- particularly fitting for the world that we we find ourselves in. That you know you can have all the riches in the world, but if you ain't got a satisfied mind, you got nothing. And it's it's a uh, uh, quite a Quite an interesting thing to consider right now with, as we 've just come through not only Thanksgiving but Black Friday that that we're coming into the the, the, the part of the year where you know the advertisers the uh, they, they just try to push every button they can to keep you in a perpetual state of dissatisfaction so that you 're going to go buy more stuff because the the idea is that if you just buy this thing it 's going to be your, your, your life is going to be much better, right? You never see a a, a beer commercial with an old ball guy just sitting on a couch drinking beer alone, right? <laughs> Though that's probably more likely 90% of the reality out there. Now, what you see is a, a young, average-looking guy who pops open a can of Bud Light, and all of a sudden, he's surrounded by supermodels and bikinis on a yacht, right? You never see the reality in the, the Diamond is Forever commercials, right? You know, they, they have these, these commercials, every kiss begins with K. <laughs> and, and, and the way these commercials are presented is like, guys, this is the, this is the silver bullet to save your, your, your whole marriage. If you get this little thing, man, all your problems are over. But reality is, you buy that ring and you're going to spend the next four years paying that thing off. Long after your wife is grateful for it, you're still having the financial stress on your marriage. (laughs) But everything in our world is is pushing those buttons to try to keep us dissatisfied, to keep us grasping, pushing the buttons, our, our, our base desires for power, for prestige, for connection. And they exploit those desires to try to keep us dissatisfied. So we're always reaching for other things. When ultimately, the only thing that can truly satisfy us is a connection with God. That's what we're wired for, as as, uh, Adam Russell, our guest speaker, last week said. We we are actually created with a capacity to enjoy God. It's hardwired into our brain. Neurologists are are discovering this about our brain. There's parts of your brain that that light up when you worship God. When you worship pray, when you meditate on God, there's actual portions of your brain that, that, that will light up only in those times. I, I think it's quite funny that, that, that Thanksgiving, I think Thanksgiving is one of the most amazing holidays that we have in the United States. I mean, isn't that cool? When you think about it, like, how cool is it that, in spite of all the problems that we have in the United States, that we came up with this cool holiday where we stop everything just to be thankful. We ought to do that like every couple of months. We ought to have Thanksgiving like like every few months like let's just stop everything. We're going to get together with family. We're going to remember why you know the the important things in life. Don't don't you find that kind of happens on Thanksgiving you get around maybe you don't know my family. <laughs> I'm glad it's over with. No, uh but 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 by just Pushing pause on everything, getting together with, with our friends, our loved ones. We, we start to realize, we, we reconfigure our lives, uh, reorient our lives around the things that matter. We thank God. God, I, I thank you for all the blessings you brought into my life. But it's kind of ironic though, isn't it, that the day after Thanksgiving is Black Friday, right? <laughs> like... The most thankful day of the year is, is matched up with the most consumer-driven, materialistic, <laughs> crazy day of the year. And it, it, it's, it's easy for me to pick on Black Friday because, and, I'm, and this isn't a message against Black Friday, okay? There, everybody raise their hands if you did some Black Friday shopping. Okay. Sinners! God hates you. No, just kidding. Uh, Black Friday is, in, in itself is not a bad thing. But it tends to bring out the worst in people, right? You've you've noticed this? I just, last night, I I just looked up for fun. Uh, I Googled in um, Black Friday bad stuff. I I can't remember what I put in there. But all these stories, you know, I knew about the the lady that got killed in a Walmart, you know, trampled a, a few years ago. And that was a horrible one. And people, people just kept shopping. She's died and they just kept shopping because they had stood in line for that line. I don't care if there's a dead person here. I'm getting that $8 toaster. I read a, a story last night about two guys in a Toys R Us that pulled out guns in a parking lot fighting over a toy. What does this tell your kids? What does this teach your kids, people? Pulling out guns to fight over a toy to give to your kids. It's like something's not right here. I even read a story about a woman who had a miscarriage during a Black Friday thing. She stood in line for so long and then she starts going in, into uh, labor contractions and everything. But there were so many people she couldn't get out that she she actually loses her, her baby. And so Black Friday, it, it's, it's like one of these things that just tends to bring out the worst of humanity a lot of times. It's, it's not a necessarily a bad thing itself. My Black Friday, I have to admit, I did some shopping. I uh, got in the recliner and I got on Amazon.com and I found three albums for four bucks each. And uh, so I was done in 10 minutes. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's, it's easy for me to pick on Black Friday because it, it's no temptation to me at all. Because I, I can't, I'm not the type of person that would ever stand outside of a Walmart for hours because I don't even like standing in line in regular old-fashioned Walmart on a, on a regular day, right? I'm convinced that Bible scholars one day are going to uh, discover that, that the actual Greek and Hebrew meaning of the word hell is really a, a Walmart checkout line. <laughs> I think all the bad people are, are going to be sent to a, a Walmart checkout line when they die. And every time you get to, every time you're about to check out, somebody's going to get in front of you, uh, price check, it's just, it's, that, that's, I, I think, that, that would be hell for me, I'd be hell, please don't send me there, I'd take a lake of fire over that, um, no. <laughs> but these things bring out kind of the the, the dissonance in our world. We've got on the, on the one hand, Thursday, which is about thankfulness, and then Friday, which is about consumerism, selfishness, getting, getting mine, uh, uh, maybe trampling over other people to, to get the thing that I want. And it's all really a manifestation of, of kind of this, this perpetual dissatisfaction that our culture keeps us in. So today I want to look at a, a passage from Proverbs 27, verse 7. I think it's in your um, outline there. A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb. But to a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. The satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb. If you don't know what that word loathes is, that's like hate. I hate it. I can't take any more of that. Uh, To put this in perspective, maybe you can remember how you felt Thanksgiving afternoon. After you had turkey and dressing and mashed potatoes and sweet potatoes, and green beans, and all that stuff. And then you you piled on a little pumpkin pie, and a little pecan pie. I I know where I was about that time, you know, about 3.30 in the afternoon, sitting on the couch watching a football game. I don't care if Emeril Lagasse himself showed up at our house and cooked me a steak and (laughs) and sat it in front of me and went, bam! I'd be like, it ain't going to happen. Get that away from me. I don't care if it's the best taste in dessert or anything. I, 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 I'm completely filled to capacity. I'm completely satisfied. There's nothing that can can take me any higher. You feel like that on, on Thanksgiving afternoon? Maybe maybe you went beyond that. <laughs> maybe it was rollades time. But the writer of this proverb says, The satisfied soul, the one that's truly satisfied, Man, honeycomb can't touch it. It's like... Just get it away from me. I'm completely satisfied on the inside. But then he says, to the hungry soul, every the, the to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. Have you ever been so hungry in your soul before that even bitter things start tasting good? You ever been like that? Oh, I have. Well, you know, when 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 your heart starts to get eaten up with jealousy. You ever, you ever see a person you're jealous of, all of a sudden something bad happens to them, and you're like, mm, that was sweet. Ooh, I'm glad she got what was coming to her. I'm glad she tripped and fell in front of everybody. Ooh, that just, that, that just tasted so good, right? Why does that taste good? Is it, is it because it's a good thing? No, it's because your soul is Famished. You're hungry on the inside. And, and, and so when, when you're not being satisfied with God, it's like even bitter things begin to taste sweet. Perhaps you've been in an abusive relationship before. Maybe you are in today. And you keep coming back to this guy that just treats you like crap. It's because you're hungry in your soul. And it, 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 even, even things that, that are bitter begin to taste sweet. It ain't because it's good. It's not because he respects you and loves you and cherishes you and cares for you. It's, it's bitter, but it's all I got. The Satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb, but to the, to the hungry soul, even the most bitter things become sweet. If you want to see this in, in real life, well, not really real life, reality TV, it's all about that. You know, it's all everybody, when they do those little, you know, camera things where they get aside and they start talking about everybody. What they think is sweet is jealousy, sleeping around, anger, lust, greed, backstabbing. Ooh, that's so sweet. But you know what? (laughs) Sounded like a reality TV show there. (laughs) But that stuff, it, it, it's bitter, but it doesn't satisfy you. It doesn't really do anything for you. It just keeps you perpetually wanting more. And isn't that the way sin is? Isn't that the way sin is, really? I mean, you look at the, the, the cardinal sins of the church you know, that the, the church has talked about for the last 2,000 years. Lust. Can lust ever be satisfied? Can you ever watch enough pornography that it's going to, oh, you know, I've, I've had enough of that now. I'm done. Can you go from, uh, can, can, if, you, if you're going from one relationship to the next, always sleeping around with people, are you ever going to have enough conquest in your life? No. Is Donald Trump ever going to get to a point where he says, you know, I got enough buildings, I'm done? No. <laughs> Lust, greed, envy, These things can't be satisfied. It's just a black hole. It just will suck everything in your life into it. There's there's no satisfying it. And if you're living from a place of those things, even bitter things are going to taste sweet, but they're never going to satisfy you. You can get enough bitter stuff in your life, and it's never going to fill you within. Now, I said a few minutes ago that um, I'm not really tempted towards a lot of this stuff on Black Friday. I could preach a message on that, but really, uh, it wouldn't. I, I, like to, I like to try to preach messages where I have some skin in the game, okay? I, I don't, it, it's, it's easy for me to point out uh, the, the weakness of people on Black Friday, but I got my own stuff, okay? Just so you know, all right? Um, I want to I tell you the story of, of, uh, of this guitar here. Let me get it out here. Okay, yeah. I like this guitar. Let's see, this goes up there. You want to hear the story behind this one? <laughs> um, here. I'll, uh, oh, I thought I had a guitar stand right here. We'll just lean it up here. Um, I got this guitar about six months after Dina and I got married. And I've heard of all kinds of people who have the first year of their marriage is like amazing. Like, oh, we just loved each other. We're hanging out. And me and Dina did not get that package. (laughs) We got the holy crap, what did we do kind of package. It, It was like... Within, within, really, literally, a, a few days of the honeymoon, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is not what I signed up for. <laughs> Who is this person? We loved each other so much, like a, a couple of weeks ago, and, and had butterflies, and now it's like sleeping with the enemy. It's just like, I, it, it felt like war, you know? It was just like, this thing, there's just no chance that this thing's going to make it. And uh, put on top of that, we, me and Dana were both full-time college students at SLU. And on top of that, I was a college pastor of a, of a, of a campus ministry over there. So I, I was trying to lead a group of college students and pastor them. And I'm like, man, if they only knew what I'm going through, man, it's, it's, uh, it, it was really bad. And so here we are about six months into to marriage. I'm, I'm like, I'm emotionally spent. I'm worn out. I'm burned out. I'm tired. Uh, I, I just don't want to do this thing anymore. And spring break was coming up, and the guys in my band, Ben and Micah, my, my bass player and my drummer, drummer, we, we had a band at the time. And we decided we were going to take a, a, a camping trip out to Big Bend National Park out in West Texas. We were going to go backpacking. And so I started thinking of this. You, you ever get in a point in your life, you're so burned out and stressed out, and you start thinking of vacation, and you, you, start, you just start fantasizing all the time? Well... A lot of guys, they get real stressed out, and they, they may fantasize about another woman. I started fantasizing about a guitar. Um, because that's what musicians do sometimes, you know. <laughs> um, I started thinking about this this trip and, and fantasizing about backpacking and, and I could see myself up on this mountain just reading my Bible, talking to God, everything's great, the birds are chirping and then I thought, oh, what would make this fantasy even better is if I was up there and I had a guitar and I'm up on the mountain playing guitar and I'm writing songs I'm like, oh, that would be beautiful but I was like, I can't, I can't fit a guitar in my backpack. But then, no, wor- no, no worries, because I found out that the that Taylor just started making this guitar called a Baby Taylor, and it's a small-body guitar. And I was like, I could get one of those and put it in my backpack. And so then I began to fantasize about this guitar, you know? And I'm like, oh, that would be amazing. I, I'm, I'm a sick person. Um, and uh, <laughs> my husband left me for a guitar. Uh, and the only problem was... That the, I, I really, I would said in my heart, I didn't ask God about it, I didn't ask my wife about it, but I said in my heart, I'm going to get this guitar, I'm going to make it happen. But the only problem was at that time, I, I think that year on our tax return, we brought in $6,000 for the whole year. <laughs> like poverty line was uh, about 11000 and we were like 6000 I mean, we were poor. It was ramen, ramen noodles and spam chunks kind of poor. You know, like, like that, that was dinner every night. And so I didn't have any money, but then I remembered, wait a second, when I bought Dina her ring for our wedding, they, they financed it through this uh, horrible predatory lending company, American General. <laughs> and so I, I, I called these people up, I said, hey, uh, I'd like to take out a loan for 400 bucks. And they're like, oh yeah, we'd be glad to give you a loan. And so they gave me a loan for 33% interest rate. And you know it's sin. You know it's sin when you've got to do something at a 33% interest rate. You know, you know like, like you just, I, I have invested myself in this fantasy. I'm going to make this thing happen. It's going to be beautiful. Me and this guitar are going to get together, and it's just going to be magic. And so I, I got my $400, and I went down to this uh, music corner, uh, music store that used to be here in Covington, and I bought this guitar. And, uh, oh, whoops. Oh! <laughs> And, uh, but you know, have you ever done something wrong and you, you just try to make it right and you just, you just know you're a dog? Like, I just knew I was wrong. Like, I, the reality was inside, this guitar represented escaping my life, it represented running away from the harsh realities of ministry, marriage, college. It represented some kind of ignoring my reality. It was based in in fear and anxiety. It was based in in envy. And so I finally get this guitar and I I bring it home. And I open it up. And as with any fantasy, (laughs) when you finally... Step into that reality, it's, it's never as good as you kind of dreamed it was going to be. And so I, I got out this guitar and I started playing it. I'm like, ah, oh, this is a pretty cool guitar, but I had that gnawing feeling like, you dog, why are you even playing this guitar? And I thought, well, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play some worship songs. So, Lord, I lift your name on high. And I felt like God was saying, why do you want to worship me on this instrument? <laughs> That you didn't even ask me about. That you know you was motivated by, by all these other things. that had nothing to do with me. It was just your own selfish will. Putting your family in debt. You're going you're gonna to pay two or three times what this guitar cost. By the end of 33% interest. <laughs> and I'm like, oh God. Well, what do I do? Should I just give this guitar away? Maybe I could bless someone with it. And I felt like God said to me. The, the worst words I've ever heard God say. I want you to break the guitar. What, Lord? No, Lord. (laughs) I really felt like I was saying, I want you to break this guitar and keep it. And it will remind you how useful you are in my hands when you are moved by impulses, when you're living by fear and anxiety, when you're not submitted to me in your life. How many songs can this guitar play? Beat on it. <laughs> God, God was saying, in my hands, if, if you're disobeying me, you're not submitted to me. If, you, if, you're not, if I'm not at the center of your life, you're as, good, you're, you're as useful to me as this beat-up guitar. And so, I was hoping that God was... I, I was hoping this was like one of those Abraham-Isaac kind of tests. <laughs> I was hoping... That, that God was just going to see if I would sub- submit a guitar to him and offer it. And uh, so I get the hammer out, and I'm waiting. I'm, I'm waiting for the angel's voice to say, No, it's okay, it's okay, stop. And, and I started to bring the hammer down on the guitar, and I, I didn't hear the voice of an angel or anything. Instead, I heard the crack of a guitar. And it's, that's the, the worst kind of sound when you're a, a musician, to hear uh, a baby, Taylor, breaking under a hammer. There have been times in my life where i I played punk rock as a teenager where breaking a guitar would have been cool. But this was heartbreaking. But it was really one of those moments in my life where God really got my attention in a very profound way. Um, I had this broken guitar in a case. And it took me the next eight months to pay the broken guitar off. (laughs) But I've kept this guitar all these years to remind myself. You know, it, it, it never fails. A few times a year, I'm, I'm moving stuff around in the attic or something, and I come across this guitar, I open it up, and I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I remember that. See, the reality is, I wasn't being satisfied by God in my life. I was looking to other things. I was looking to fantasies. I was looking to the, to the things that were out there. To satisfy me in, in my soul. And the truth is, even when I got this guitar, it didn't satisfy me. Philippians 4, 11 through 12. Paul writes, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned by now to be quite happy, quite content, whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much with much as with little i found the recipe for being happy whether full or hungry hands full or hands empty whatever i have whatever i am i can make it through anything in the one who makes me who i am that last line if you got a niv would say i can do all things through christ who strengthens me paul said i found the secret to happiness and it's got absolutely nothing to do with my circumstances how would you like to know that secret? <laughs> now, I want to say something here because it's, it's easy to divorce ourselves from the, the context of the scripture. Paul wasn't writing this from a ministry headquarters with a staff of hundreds of people that would chauffeur him around. Paul wasn't walking around the, the Mediterranean world with an entourage to precede him. He didn't have some kind of flashy worldwide ministry. He didn't have private jets or anything. Paul is not writing these words from a place of comfort. He's writing these words from a prison cell. A Roman prison cell. He's all alone, cut off from all his friends, all the churches he's planted. He's at the mercy of Roman guards and at the mercy of friends who would bring him food. Because they didn't supply you food in a Roman prison. And Paul, in the midst of that, says, I've learned the secret to happiness. I know, I know what it's like to, to live it good. I know what it's like to have really hard times. But I've, I've learned the secret to happiness, and it has nothing to do with whether I'm living good or whether circumstances are hard. The, the secret to happiness is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The secret to being happy isn't, has nothing to do with any of these external things. It's a satisfaction that comes from being connected to God. That's at the core. Man, I want some of that. I want some of that, that you could actually write that in prison. I mean, that just blows my mind that somebody could come up with these words in prison. There's been times in my life, like, I mean, even Thanksgiving, man. I'm, I'm looking around. We, we had our little, we call it thanks Christmas giving. It's our combination of Thanksgiving and Christmas that we have with my my dad and stepmom up in East Texas, we do it the day after Thanksgiving uh, because uh, I'm, I'm usually tied up on Christmas around here so we can never visit. So, But when it came time for, for our, our thanks Thanksgiving, uh, Dina and I, we were just talking one night, like, there's really nothing we want. We really, I mean, I'll, I'll, there's stuff I'll take, you know, I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm a big fan of presents, but honestly... She's like, what do you want? I, I, there's really nothing that's going to make my life any better. I, I, I'm 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 perfectly content. Now it's one thing to say that when you got all the bills paid, right? And you're around family and you just stuffed yourself on a Thanksgiving feast. But what's remarkable about this passage is that Paul says this in the midst of hunger, in the midst of isolation. Just he's on death roll for God's sake. <laughs> You know, death row, he he could be killed at any moment and he doesn't sit there. I mean, I'm thinking if I was in prison, I'd be writing letters to Christians, you know, saying boycott Rome, you know. <laughs> I'd be talking bad about the government. I'd be getting petitions going. I'd be trying to get people to put political pressure on. I, that's what I'd be doing. But Paul, he's like, he doesn't fight with Rome. He doesn't do anything. He just says, look, I found the secret to happiness. I got Jesus. The satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb, but to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. See, Paul, even though he's in prison, even though he's hungry, even though he's cut off from people, he's got a feast. He's got a feast. Kind of like that psalm that says, You prepare a table for me even in the presence of my enemies. I can be surrounded by enemies. People that hate me. People that want to take me down. People that rejoice every time I trip and fall. And God's going to feed me. He's going to sustain me in the midst of that. That's good news, right? Don't shout me down all at once right now. That's good news. And I, I think today we just need to reorient ourselves. You know, the next few weeks we're going to be um, looking at the, 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 the revolutionary uh, story of Christmas. But I think even before we get into the Christmas story, we need to reorient our, our lives around what's important. You know, because everything around you is going to try to get you to be discontent to try to get you to grasp for more stuff. Like if you just get this boat, you just get this TV, you just get this ring, you just get this pair of boots, whatever it is for you, then you're going to be perfectly happy. And the reality is, it won't happen. (laughs) As the song we opened with said, money can't buy back your youth when you're old, or a friend when you're lonely, or a love that's grown cold. The wealthiest person is a pauper at times compared to the man with a satisfied mind. This morning, I just want us to respond by worshiping the Lord together. So why don't you stand up and and we're going to sing one last worship song together.
3: to make you smile to honor you my king to give you back the love that you have lavished upon me so I give you